This episode of the Supply Chain Brain podcast is supported by Rider, a leading provider of supply chain management, logistics, dedicated transportation, and fleet management services for businesses large and small. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. What's the secret to the success of brands today? It's all about the supply chain. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. We think of consumer brands as thriving on attributes like advertising, marketing, quality, and familiarity. And all of those things are vital to brand survival. But what's really driving the success or failure of brands today is one very basic element, having product on the shelf. In other words, brands live or die on the ability of their supply chains to get them to market and keep them there. So what are the critical stages of logistics that are essential to maintaining customer loyalty at a time of cutthroat competition for the consumer's wallet and intense service requirements? Answers on this episode from Kendra Phillips, Chief Technology Officer and Vice President of New Products for Supply Chain and Dedicated Solutions with Rider. We'll learn what consumers demand from brands today and how logistics can help to support those expectations. Finally, we'll talk about whether today's logistics providers are up to the task. Here's my conversation with Kendra Phillips. Kendra Phillips, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Kendra, as you know, we are at a time when service requirements are just more demanding than they've ever been before. So I want to talk to you about what you consider to be the critical stages of logistics and how they can make or break the ability of brands to maintain customer loyalty. Talk about some of those, would you please? The biggest challenges in today's environment for brands is really getting back to the basics, which is having your product available on shelves. You're seeing brands lose some of their customer loyalty because the supply chain challenges are limiting their ability to keep their products stocked. And the issues are starting upstream. We're seeing supplier shortages with things like the chip shortage that's impacting the auto industry. But that's also happening elsewhere. We have challenges getting basic items such as aluminum or plastic, which prevent a lot of brands from producing or packaging their products. There's issues with other items as well, such as ocean container capacity, delays at ports, challenges with trucking capacity and intermodal delays. And when you put all this together, the supply chain is really impacting that brand and that brand's customer experience. And I think the pandemic has highlighted how important supply chains are and the value they bring to that customer experience that maybe was always in the background before. And the hard, cold reality, of course, is that customers, when something goes wrong, they don't blame the shipping companies or the logistics providers or anything. They blame the brand, and it, it, it reflects Absolutely. poorly on the brand. So 
justifiably or not, the brand takes the burden of it. So it's interesting. I also wouldn't have thought before that the logistics side of it would have been considered part of brand identity, brand loyalty. Is that like a new phenomenon or has it always sort of been in the background? I think the realization of it is a new phenomenon. And that was happening pre-pandemic as well. You get to two-day delivery or same-day delivery. That's a customer experience that is 100% dependent upon your supply chain. And that, that had been happening pre-pandemic. But what we've seen with the pandemic is all these other supply chain challenges have added Two, we have higher customer expectations and then more supply chain challenges. And when you put that together, you're really emphasizing the importance of having a strong supply chain strategy. What about the actual way in which product gets from the manufacturer all the way to the customer's door today? How is, if it is indeed, the logistics landscape changing? Oh, it's, it's absolutely changing. And it's due to those customer expectations. I'll speak as myself as a consumer, right? I expect more options and more convenience. And I expect it at a lower cost. <laughs> what's exciting about this is it's forcing changes in an industry that's really done things the same way. We're getting disrupted. The logistics industry is getting disrupted. And it's really being disrupted with new technology. And there's a lot of opportunity there. There's a lot of inefficiencies in today's end-to-end supply chain. When you look down the whole supply chain from supplier all the way to end consumer. So there's a lot of opportunity for that tech to come in and, and really um, start eating away at that low-hanging fruit and, and enabling us to do things in a more effective manner. We consumers are just terribly spoiled, aren't we? Our expectations. We are, that's for sure. I don't know whose fault that is. Maybe it's the service providers have just ramped up their act to the point where now that's expected of them. It's just the price of admission to, to logistics. And so they're suffering from their own good performance, maybe. There are so many places, though, where things can go wrong, so many weak points in a supply chain. Where are they? Where most typically do you see points of failure? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it starts with the supply chain strategy. As you were saying, you, you now have to look at a supply chain as a key component of that customer experience. And as a supply chain leader, you need to know what is that experience your customers expect and how are you going to prioritize pieces of your supply chain to meet that. The challenge right now, right, where our weak points are, is initially supply chains were set up with a focus on, let's say, low levels of inventory, right? We wanted to reduce inventory holding costs. So we had one large warehouse or maybe two large warehouses in the U.S. And that was great 10 years ago. But as customer expectations have changed, now you need to have regional warehouses across the U.S. or micro-fulfillment centers in big cities to hit that same-day delivery. And changing a supply chain infrastructure is very expensive and time-consuming. And so when you look at weak points, it's really in what is that strategy is my supply chain set up to meet that strategy? And if it's not, how am I going to adjust? Because it's not something you can just change overnight, right? It really is expensive. It's time consuming. And it takes the right approach and the right partners to get that done. And, and so I think those are the challenges from a leadership and strategic perspective when you're looking at a, across the supply chain and how you meet your customer expectations. Interesting. You should mention the phenomenon of the micro-fulfillment center, which often is taking up the same real estate as a brick-and-mortar store or else a dark store or wherever. That's a creature of the omni-channel, isn't it? I mean, now the it logistics providers are expected to conform to 
the requirements of multiple channels. What are the challenges there, and how is that different from what a logistics provider might have done before in order to satisfy customers? Yeah, it's a great question. The challenge there is a couple of things. So first, the micro-fulfillment center is, is a fairly newish concept, right? And to your point, it's a very small location in a storefront or a strip mall that's meant to be local to the city to fulfill that same day or, or couple hour delivery. And so you're talking getting that type of real estate, managing that real estate, managing what inventory needs to be forward stocked there, and then having a courier network established to deliver that product to someone's home. Or you might be using that micro-fulfillment center to keep your stores stocked, right? You might have some very fast-moving goods at stores, and you're actually using that micro-fulfillment center to keep the stores stocked without taking up a ton of space. And so there's different use cases for it. And as a supply chain leader, you have to be able to flex into that. So you're trying to manage that strategy while you're also trying to manage, let's say, a two-day delivery strategy. So in a two-day delivery strategy, you don't need to have a micro-fulfillment center in a major city, but you might need a warehouse or a distribution center in a region. And if you're doing that, you can still make your two-day delivery to someone's home. And then on top of that, you're going to have to have regional warehouses where you're fulfilling stores or retailers, right? And so Mm -hmm. when you look at this, you as a leader, you have to say, okay, I, I can't just focus on one type of customer consumer or one type of experience. I've got to have a strategy that's going to lay all of this out for me. I have to be able to meet all those needs and I have to know which product belongs where. Those are the challenges, again, that, that we didn't even have 10 years ago. That's very new and it's difficult to manage and stay on top of. I would imagine it would require an unprecedented level of communication and collaboration between the logistics provider and the shipper slash brand in a way that was never needed before. You've got to know whether this particular shipment is a internet to direct a door, whether it's in pallets, whether it's going to a big DC or a micro fulfillment center. This is placing new demands on logistics providers that just didn't exist before, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say these are really you've hit on you know some of the biggest challenges. As I mentioned earlier, the supply chain industry is is still inefficient, right? Still heavily paper-based in many Mm -hmm. circumstances. You need to have that information digitized to be able to effectively manage that in the way you just described. And not just digitized, but you have to know how to share that data along the supply chain with your supply chain partners. And those are some of the the biggest challenges as, as a 3PL that Ryder sees in the industry, right? Is, is most people have their ERP system or their TMS or their warehouse management system. That information is their information. It's not being shared with the other partners in the supply chain. And so that's when you start to see those breakdowns. That's when you start to see those inefficiencies because it's hard to make those decisions that you were speaking of in a dynamic manner when you're only seeing your piece of the supply chain. You need mm-hmm. to be able to have that end-to-end view. I remember many years ago how individual modes or individual carriers used to brag about their great proprietary tracking systems and information systems. You know, It, it was unique to them. It's like, now a shipper is probably saying, who cares? What we need is something that goes across all the partners. It's not like the information is in these individual silos. So that's important, is it not, for it to be a comprehensive system now, whereas before it was it was a selling point for individual carrier types. 
It's a great point you're bringing up. I mean, that, that's that been a huge technological change, right? Now you talk about everyone sharing data. Data aggregators are out there. You have simple things like tracking a truck, but you can now find that information available across a variety of players who are able to pull in data from a bunch of different telematics devices, right? Nothing's proprietary anymore. Nothing's just for, for one piece of company or, or one view. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to aggregate that data and present it in a way where everyone can action it. What we're looking to do is, is say, okay, we can present this data as a 3PL in kind of a non-biased manner, and we can also bring in a shipper's partners, right? So we could let suppliers see it. We can let their customers see the data in one platform where everyone has access to that same information. And it, it really comes down to what you're speaking of, which is can't be everyone's secret sauce anymore. Yeah. We have to work together. We have to share uh, information and collaborate on that information. But realistically, how would you rate the current ability of service providers to hand off, number one, physical freight from one mode to the other, and number two, the accompanying information? How good a job are they really doing? I think everyone's doing the best job they can be with where the market stands today. But there is tremendous opportunity, right? One example is an advanced shipping notice. A shipper places an order to their supplier for 100 of Gizmo A, and they want to know what's being shipped from the supplier. Is the supplier fulfilling my entire order? Many suppliers today can't electronically share that information. We're still in an age where that information is hard to get. And someone's left waiting until the truck arrives to their dock and they unload the truck to say, okay, I only got 80. I was hoping for 100, but I got 80, so I'll have 20 coming in a week. That's the unfortunate reality. Now, some some players have gotten past that point, but many folks in the supply chain are still small, still not technologically advanced, and we're trying to deal with inaccurate information and make decisions based off of inaccurate information. And, And what that causes then is everyone throughout the supply chain to kind of buffer. Right. So if yeah. I place an order for how many I'm in, I'm going to tell my customer and have a hundred, tell my customer a smaller number. And, and then my customers going to tell their customers, everyone's a buffer. And that's what really drives those inefficiencies. And, and that comes back to your question. It's because we're not necessarily able to electronically hand off information at every point in the supply chain. I believe we will get there and we, we are marching in that direction extremely quickly, <laughs> but it's still a challenge today. But we're also being hampered by conditions beyond our control, beyond the control of the carriers and the logistics providers. And specifically right now, this terrible congestion at West Coast ports and in other parts of the supply chain. I mean, to be told, I'm sorry, your chassis or your container is sitting in this warehouse. It won't be released for five days, 10 days. I guess there's nothing you can do about it, right? I mean, that's just the reality of the world as it is, at least for now. Or are there steps that could be taken in order to deal with that? It's a great question. It's really hard right now. Import volumes are up over 20% year over year at our West Coast ports. And 10% of the world's shipping capacity has been taken out of supply chain due to this port congestion, due to having containers sit, right? So you've got an increase in volume and a decrease in capacity, and it's really causing the challenges that you're speaking of. And so, so what do companies do about that? In short term, you can try to look at moving your products through different ports. Obviously, in the U.S., the West Coast is what's really congested, so can you use East Coast ports? Hopefully, companies right now are really pre-planning their demand prior to peak season that we're about to go into, right, and, and trying to bring in product early 
even if it's going to sit in the U.S., let's get it here now so that you have it. So I think there's some short-term things that companies can be doing to try to deal with this. But in the long term, it's going to be interesting to see what happens due to all of this, right? Do we start to really see a pickup in nearshoring? Do people start to diversify their supplier base so that they're not solely dependent on suppliers sitting in Asia or they're more diverse? How are companies going to change their supply chain strategy due to what we've seen over the last year and a half? It'll be interesting when we come out of this and we get some breathing room to really see where we end up. Yeah, but in the meantime, you know, the one word I don't think we've used in this conversation so far, if we have, rarely, that is visibility. Isn't that the key to everything? That in the face <laughs> of these conditions that we can or cannot control, you're in much better shape to be able to do something about them if you can see what's going on and where things are and where information is, right? That must be super important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always find visibility to be an interesting word because I think it means something different to everyone, depending on who you're talking to. But I, I really like the way you, you just defined it, right? As we're dealing with the congestions at the port, as we're dealing with product shortages, as we're dealing with which product needs to get direct to consumer versus which needs to go to the store, right? The more you can see, just where is your product? Right? Mm -hmm. Where is it? How much of it do you have? Who is it allocated to? The better off you are able to make decisions that you need to make about your product. And even if it's an exception, right? Even if it's knowing I've got a hundred of Gizmo A stuck on a container ship at the port of LA, if I know that, and I know it's probably going to be stuck there for a week, now I can make decisions about what to do about that versus just not even knowing where it is or what's happening with it or if it's arriving on time, right? So that information is really key. That visibility is key to letting you deal with that consumer demand we were talking about earlier on and to letting you deal with the exceptions or the problems that are occurring in your supply chain. And in my mind, all of that comes down to being able to digitize information. Got to get to the point where we can have everything be electronic and we can share it across the supply chain parties. Kendra, speaking of technology, we're hearing that Ryder is making some pretty significant investments in that area. So talk about some of those and tell me how you think that's going to position Ryder and its customers for the future. Ryder is extremely focused on technology. We believe it is the future of supply chain and logistics. Ryder has 90 years experience in operations. It's something we know we do very well. And what we really want to focus on now as a company is how do we stay ahead of all the technological advancements coming into the industry? And how do we know that we're bringing our customers the best value from everything that's happening with technology and supply chain? So we're doing that in a couple of ways. One is we have uh, Rider Ventures, which is our venture capital arm. And what we do with Rider Ventures is we get constant pitches from all the tech startups focused in the industry when we get a pitch that we think makes a lot of sense, there's value there, we understand what they're trying to accomplish, we believe in the leadership team, we'll invest in that company and then we'll work with them to pilot their technology. So Ryder has breadth of services from transportation to warehousing and we have customers in every industry. So usually if it's, if it's a strong tech product, we can find a good use case for it. 
once we've piloted it, we like what we see, it's working well, and we think there's value there, we can start to bring that to our customers. And that's where we're really staying ahead of that tech, right? So we're able to bring our customers the latest and greatest tech before it's big, before it's well-known, and really bring advantages to their companies. That's our goal with Rider Ventures. The other thing we're doing is we have very focused areas that we're working on internally. So electronic and autonomous vehicles is a a huge area for us. We're partnering with companies in those spaces. As we've been talking about for the past little bit, really digitizing the end-to-end supply chain, bringing that visibility to our customers. Out of that comes data analytics. And then uh, another focus area for Rider with Tech is e-commerce, that direct-to-consumer However it may be, technology is obviously playing an important role in that, and Rider is very focused on that as well. And also in the area of new key technologies, we have Rider Share. What is that, and what is its role in the supply chain? I love that question. It's that digitization <laughs> of that end-to-end supply chain. That is exactly what we're trying to accomplish with Rider Share. So again, very much tied to those conversations we were having earlier. Rider Share sits on top of WMSs and TMSs. It aggregates the data from our customers and what's happening within their supply chain and brings it to view in one place. So it provides that visibility you're asking about in real time. And it doesn't just do that for our customers who are the shippers, but it does it for their partners in the supply chain. So we can bring in their suppliers and we can bring in their customers and also their carriers, excuse me. So everyone can come together in the same platform and have access to the same information at the same time. And what that allows is that real-time decision-making and problem-solving in one place. The goal with RiderShare is to drive out those inefficiencies that we've been talking about in the supply chain, use the data and real-time information to streamline what's happening in a supply chain, and by doing that, really drive a better customer experience for our customers' customers. So we want to impact that end consumer and give them a better experience through that supply chain and the efficiency coming to it through RiderShare. Have you been able to achieve visibility not just with inbound and outbound deliveries, but also within the warehouse? Oh, great question. So that is our big announcement coming up. So with RiderShare, we've been building it in pieces. And we've been very successful deploying the transportation. The warehousing is going live in a few weeks. So that is our final piece of the puzzle. That's what will then allow us to have that full end-to-end view. So it's something we're very excited about. And within the warehouse, our goal is not just to let everyone see what inventory is available, but actually to see what's inbound into the warehouse, the actual quantities that are being received, what stages things are in in the in the warehouse. And then obviously a lot of our customers have hot orders, important items that they want to track and really handhold to be able to share that information with their customers. That will all happen through rider share. So our customers' customers can come in, see where their orders are, see when that inventory is going to get to them. And really, again, drive out these inefficiencies that we've been talking about. So I'm very excited that, that we'll be releasing our warehouse functionality here in a few weeks. Kendra Phillips of Rider, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today about the importance of logistics and supply chain to brands, as well as talking a little bit about Rider itself and its offerings to the marketplace. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) 
That was my conversation with Kendra Phillips of Ryder, talking about the importance of supply chains and logistics to brands. Our thanks to Ryder for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter at SCBrain, and also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well, and see you next time.